They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are... Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling! This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, powered by TagMeADate.com. Wrestling night is now date night. I am Chad, and as always, I am joined by my tag team partner, Primetime John Paz. John Paz, how are you tonight, my friend? Hey, yo, what's going on, Chad? I'm doing pretty, pretty, pretty good. How are you? Uh, doing very well, and tonight is a very, very big episode, both for the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast, as well as our guest, the man himself, Del Wilkes, the Patriot, a man who was on a mission for his Man Behind the Mask Kickstarter campaign that is brought to you by our very good friend, Michael Elliott. The man behind the mask, Del Wilkes, the Patriot, John Paz. What are your thoughts? Well, 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 it's great for us to announce that we are now a part of this project in a big, big way. The two-man power trip of wrestling will be the executive producer of this film. Del Wilkes, the man behind the mask, the documentary of a great career of a great wrestler forgotten by some but not the true fans. That is the Patriot. And we're so excited, so happy to be part of it and, and to be teaming up with not only Dell, but also Michael Elliott, who is the greatest wrestling documentarian of our time. That is very true. And if you listen to Michael Elliott's episode, which is available in our vast library via iTunes, you would know that Michael Elliott has dubbed himself the third man in the two-man power trip of wrestling, and we couldn't be any happier to be on board with this project. And that brings us to our interview today, and that is with the Patriot, Del Wilkes. We get all up in his career. We talk about the beginning. We talk about the end. We talk about everything in between, Japan, the WWF, global. I know uh, one of our friends in particular who would love to hear the stories of the Patriot and the Dark Patriot but I'm going to actually uh, I'm going to talk about the actual putting together of the documentary itself, and we know with Michael Elliott's track record that this guy does not do it in a small way. What are your thoughts on what Dell had to tell us in the making of this documentary? It's unbelievable. Of course, we know with uh, prior document, uh, documentaries that Michael has made, he does go above and beyond, and these things are awesome quality. These are better than most of the WWE DVDs you see that they put out. So you know it's going to be tremendous work. And if you've been watching any of the any of the preview videos on the Kickstarter page, you can uh, see that they get you pumped up. I mean, they're great, great stuff. So professional and so great looking. It's just a great job. And it's awesome to see Dell spotlighted because I know me and you are very excited about this because we feel like he's almost forgotten but he shouldn't be at all because great wrestler yeah oh totally without a doubt and he uh when he finally made it to the wwf he uh suffered the injury that ultimately ended his career uh very very sadly um and we kind of talk about what's been going on post-career and that is the uh the dubbed bastardization of the patriot character by people playing him on the independent uh circuit and Dell is not happy about that, and we touch on that at the end of the interview. And I'm going to let that speak for itself, but we'll stick with the actual career portion of it. And if you go to the Kickstarter campaign page, which is kickstarter.com, and search The Patriot, you get to see a preview of the opening chapter where Dell and his mother talk about his life and growing up. Uh, and it's just, he's, he's such a great, great story. You know, he's a football guy. You know, he's, he's just a very passionate man, and it's... Uh, it's very cool that once he starts talking about wrestling, and I know 
for a fact, you were able to floor him, because you floored me too with your research skills, that uh, you pulled out a piece of trivia that he was unaware of, but I think probably, uh, I'm going to say 99.999999, so on and so on, percent of the audience is probably unaware of this trivia factoid that you came up with. Well, I, I, I think I'm pretty much correct, and I actually did some more research on it afterwards, and I was trying to find uh, guys that have done it, but I can't find anybody unless somebody out there in the, on the interwebs can uh, prove me wrong. I, I couldn't find it. I mean, I'm not 100% sure I'm correct, but there's a small possibility of not. But I believe Dell with Pedro Wilts, along with Misawa, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, is basically those are the two guys that have pinfall victories over not only Brett the Hitman Hart, but over Kawada, who's another just great, great wrestler. So it's just amazing you put Dell in there with those guys. He's beaten the best, he's wrestled the best, and he's been the best. Great in all Japan. And I loved his work in WCW, and I also obviously loved to see with Bret Hart in the WWF. Yeah, totally. You floored him with that stat. He was definitely genuinely surprised by your uh, by your skills, but that's why you're the uh, you're, that's why you're the best at what you do, my friend. I tell you this all the time. <laughs> but if I'm going to put you on the spot, and we really didn't go into WCW and, and Stars and Stripes, so we kind of glanced over that. But if I was going to put you on the spot, what was your favorite? wrestling-related story that Dell brought to us in this interview? Well, I love hearing all the stuff about All Japan. I mean, that was just, that's the best in my view. I'm a huge, huge Japan mark, as uh, a lot of people probably know if you listen to the show. Um, I really like the stuff on Masao and Kawada, but my favorite part was him talking about uh, Kenta Kobashi, another guy you can consider arguably one of the greatest in-ring wrestlers of all time and he talks about wrestling him he talks about teaming with him he talks about how he never took a night off no matter if they're wrestling in front of 200 people or obviously when they got to their hottest and all japan was super super hot and wrestling in front of tens of thousands of people he said kobashi never took a night off and it was just a pleasure wrestling him and also teaming with him yeah, that was great. He was definitely, and I, I, you really feel genuine in, in the fact that he likes talking about all that. And uh, I'm hoping, hoping that it, it translates well because it was, uh, they were great stories and it was very good. Now, again, you can go to the Kickstarter page, which is if you go to kickstarter.com, you type in the Patriot, you can type in Del Wilkes. It's the man behind the mask. You have until July 23rd to get in on the fun. Michael Elliott has a ton of of awesome rewards set up for this campaign. And as we stated, the two-man power trip of wrestling is so, so happy to be affiliated with this project. And we uh, we really hope everybody gets on board. So prime time, before we really bring it home and we get into all the plugs and all the fun stuff, we have to mention our brand-new sponsor again, if you heard on the top of the show, and that is the awesomely unique TagMeADate.com, where wrestling night is now date night. And on TagMeADate.com, the first month is free. And since wrestling night just became date night, wrestling fans can rejoice with the new revolutionary dating website for the wrestling fan where, hey, love connections, that's what the business is all about. It's love, it's passion, and it's bringing people together with TagMeADate.com. Oh, yeah, definitely. And now it's live in the U.K. and Canada as well. And look at this. This just in, you can create your own promo video to be the first thing that others see on your profile. Along with a picture, you also have the option to create a short promo video about yourself. You can tell those potential matches who you are by showcasing your personality. Good stuff, cool stuff on there. Now, do you have the mic skills to compete? Create a lifetime tag team partner with that special someone. Tag me a date. That's tagmeadate.com. Yes, now, it's tagmeadate.com. Sorry, John. I just want to say one more thing with tagmeadate.com. You're going to go from a jabroni all the way to the main event when you find your perfect match. And we all know when you're the number one contender, you get the best shot. Tagmeadate.com. John, I'm going to turn it over to you now for the plugs, the wrap-up, and the throw to Del Wilkes. Oh, yeah. Just wanted to say real quick, I wanted to say, please go to Kickstarter and 
uh, look for Dell the Patriot Wilkes, and please donate to the Kickstarter campaign. We're a huge part of this. We're so excited for this. We can't wait for this to come out. And just go to Kickstarter and uh, donate some money there, and you get great, great gifts, great career, and you're going to definitely, definitely want to see this documentary done by our good friend Michael Elliott. Now, some TMPT of wrestling business. Please check out the two-man power trip of wrestling and subscribe to us on YouTube. We're always putting up new and exciting clips. You get clips from the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and the greatest of all time. You also get some clips on there from King, Jesse the Body Ventura, Ken Shamrock, and many, many more. So definitely check that out. Also subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. Give us some feedback. Tell us what you think of the show. That would be greatly appreciated. Don't forget about Facebook. We are the two-man power trip of wrestling, and you can like us on there. Also, you cannot forget about the Twitter machine, at WrestlingPal and at two-man power trip. Then there is our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. Always, always great stuff on there. Go on the upper left-hand corner and click on the Amazon link. Do all your Amazon shopping through us, and we get a little kickback from that. It helps us keep the show alive and well, so we appreciate it if you do. Now, without any further ado, the man behind the mask. We interview a forgotten legend in this business, the man that has is is performed all over the globe, WCW, WWF, All Japan, Global, the AWA. He's done it all. He is a legend. He is the Patriot, Dell Wilkes. Please enjoy. To me, all right, we'll get right into it. And that's uh, joining us on the line tonight is a man who is currently on a Kickstarter campaign for the Man Behind the Mask documentary brought to you by Michael Elliott, and that is a man who is a former WCW Tag Team Champion, a former GWF World Champion, a former GWF Television Champion, and an AWA Tag Team Champion. He is known by his mask. He is the Patriot, Del Wilkes. Del, thank you so much for joining us tonight on the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, I appreciate you guys having me and, and giving me an opportunity, opportunity to talk about the project that we've got going now with uh, with Michael Elliott and uh, also how we can uh, direct some folks toward Kickstarter to help to help us uh, as we come down the home stretch with this product, finish this thing off. So I appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure, and that's what we're here to talk about, and that is the Kickstarter campaign and Michael Elliott's uh, direction. Now tell us. How how has it been working with Michael so far? We've had him on in the past. We've definitely we love his work. We love all the documentaries he's done so far. But tell us what about Michael Elliott and the way he has put this together for you so far has been the standout for you in putting this together. Michael is fabulous. Uh, he contacted me last year sometime, I think through maybe a Facebook message, and um, and asked me about uh, the possibilities of doing something like this. And then uh, I got to meet Michael and spend some more time with him uh, late last year as I was at an appearance uh, up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and we were able to talk more about it and uh, decided to go forward with the project. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people know, you guys probably know, this isn't what Michael does for a living. This isn't his job. This isn't how he feeds and supports his family. This is a labor of love. This is a guy that's a wrestling fan. And this is a guy that has done great work, great work. I mean, it looks as good as anything the WWE's ever done. Uh, he's done great stuff with Jimmy Valiant, the Rock and Roll Express, Magnum TA, uh, Ivan Koloff. And uh, it's just blown me away uh, at the type of work Michael has done. And now he's put this thing together. He is uh, He's good. He's very good. He's very impressive. He, yeah, he's awesome. And I'll tell you what, I mean, when I clicked play, on um, that uh, that Kickstarter video, man, I got out of my seat because that was getting me pumped. The mix of the the video clips, and we talked to him about how he goes about that process, mixed with you know with the the all American feel. You know your your personality and the Patriot character is definitely something that jumps out of the screen at you. And what do you feel 
is going to be the biggest thing accomplished by getting your story out and bringing the Patriot back into the, uh, I guess, the current landscape of professional wrestling. Because, you know, when you left uh, wrestling in 1997, it was definitely a glaring void because there was no other Patriot-style character, obviously, like yours. So what, do you, what would you say you're looking most forward to in bringing the story back out into the public? Well, it's the whole story. This story just isn't about Dell Wilkes, the Patriot, as a professional wrestler. This story starts at birth. It starts with my mom and dad. Uh, it includes uh, discussions of my grandparents. It talks about my childhood, uh, grammar school, middle school, high school, uh, my dad moving our family out of the state of uh, South Carolina for a number of years and bringing us back. It covers high school football, college football, uh, it covers a very brief, brief NFL career, and then it transitions right into my wrestling career. Uh, some of the very, very dark moments I had after my career was over, and it brings us up to this very day. So it covers my entire life, not just the wrestling end of it. And I think there's a story there for people uh, that no matter who you are, no matter how successful you've been, uh, if you make some bad decisions and some wrong decisions, and you can put, your, put yourself in some bad situations, as I did. But it's also a story to, that shows there can be redemption and there can be life after those dark moments and bad decisions uh, and having to deal with those. So I think, I think it's a great story. It's a, an inspirational story. And I think one that a lot of people can take from and hopefully help people that may be struggling with certain issues in their life. It's one that I struggled with and was able to overcome those issues. Yeah, that's phenomenal, and I, uh, I I could definitely appreciate that, uh, and the way you, you put that together, that sounds absolutely fantastic. And again, it's a Kickstarter documentary, The Man Behind the Mask, brought to you by Michael Elliott. And with are, your familiarity with Kickstarter and how that whole process goes, how important is the fan support to your legacy and also, obviously, to the project is vital, but reaching out to the fans and bringing them in to be a part of it. What does that mean to you uh, after performing in front of them for so many years? Well, it means everything because having played college football at a major college university with a very rabid uh, uh, fan base here at the University of South Carolina and then the number of years I've been in pro wrestling, uh, there, there are no fans like pro wrestling fans. They're the most loyal. They're the most giving. I mean, they will go to event after event after event after event to see the same wrestler time and time and time again. So being able to give this to the fans and also have them contribute to this as well is awfully important. They can be a part of this by going to kickstarter.com and just putting in Dell Wilkes. Um, then they also can help us as we complete this project, and they can be a part of it. And uh, so I think it's just vitally important that they're included in it because without them, there's not a Dell Wilkes, there's not a Patriot, there's not a Trooper, there's, there's not a Hulk Hogan, there's not a Rick Flair, there's none of us in this business. If it wasn't for those fans that give of their hard-earned money that would come watch us night after night and still do to this day. So it's, uh, uh, I mean, we're working in unison here with the fans as we uh, finish the project up. And they also not only can contribute and be a part of this, but they're going to get back as well. Not only the finished product, but when they go to Kickstarter, based on what they contribute, there are certain gifts and rewards and prizes that they will get as well. So we feel like we've uh, really done a good job of trying to reach out to them, and they've done a good job of responding. In just three short days, we've raised over $1,000. Uh, our goal is 3500 and we've got 42 days left to come up with that and I've got all the confidence in the world that we will do so. So very thankful to those that have contributed and certainly want others to come to Kickstarter and, and take a look at what we're doing. Now, the Patriot is a very, very memorable character. I remember being a kid, um, had to be around 1992 or so. I'm watching ESPN, and I'm watching Global, and I see you, and I become excited, and I, I, I really like the character and stuff. But before we get into that, how did you actually get into the wrestling business? Like, who trained you, and where did you train? Well, I've been in Columbia, South Carolina the majority of my life, with the exception of five years I've been in, around Columbia. And after I got out of the University of South Carolina, after my football career was done, 
Uh, I had a very brief couple of year, a uh, couple of trials in the NFL. Things didn't work out there, so I came back to Columbia, and um, I had a buddy of mine that that uh, went to a, a college in Charleston, went to the Citadel, and he and I both were big wrestling fans. And uh, I had always determined that whenever football was over for me, whenever that was, that I was going to um, at least attempt to see if I could have a career as a professional wrestler. So once football was done, uh, I ponied up my money and um, paid it to attend a school here in Columbia that at that time was owned and operated by Lillian Ellison, or better known to wrestling fans as the fabulous Moolah. So I went through Moolah school and um, started taking my bumps there. Now, I read somewhere, I believe, maybe it was an interview with you from not too long ago, but you said that Wahoo McDaniels was a big influence on your career. How was he an influence? Obviously, he's a huge legend, but how was he an influence on you and your career? Well, Wahoo, when I met him, was working for Vern Gagne up in the AWA, uh, not only in the ring, but also uh, uh, in the office as well and helping develop talent and, and scout talent. And uh, he still had his uh, home in Charlotte, and he'd come home to Charlotte for a few weeks, and Moolah booked him on one of her shows uh, that she would run here locally around the Midlands of South Carolina. And that was my introduction to Wahoo. And he immediately took a liking to me, and I think it was that football background. We were both All-American college football players and, and both had done very well, you know, while playing football. And uh, he literally just he took me under his wing and, and, and brought me up, introduced me to Vern and Greg, and uh, just made sure that for the next couple of years, basically everywhere Wahoo went, Dell went with him. And he was just so giving in trying to, to pass what he had learned and what he experienced and his knowledge on to me, and uh, and I'll always be grateful for that. Wahoo, uh, of all the people that I've been around in this business, and I have been very, very fortunate to rub shoulders with some legendary, legendary wrestlers, Wahoo was the one that, that had the biggest impact on me and did the most for me to help get my career started, so I'll always be grateful to Wahoo. Wahoo is definitely a legend, and you know, it's great to hear that he was so influential in your career. But if I could circle back to the fabulous Moolah, what was training under her like? You, you, you hear a lot of stories that you know she was, uh, you know, you know, tough, tough lady, uh, you know, very always keeping kayfabe and stuff. But what was it like training under Moolah? Well, that was Moolah. She was a tough lady, and she was always kayfabe, and she was always doing everything she could. If you were going to make two dollars, she was going to get a dollar fifty of it. And uh, but that was that was just Mula. That was the way she was raised in the business, and she didn't know any other way. But uh, her school was really geared more toward girls. Um, you know, at the time I went through it, uh, there were some guys there uh, that helped train me. Uh, but they were guys that they did not have careers in professional wrestling. They were guys that just would work her local shows, and occasionally she would send them up. Uh, to Vince to use on TV, uh, you know, in a in a, a thirty second match, a minute match, um, uh, like that. So they, they were guys that really didn't know a whole lot more than I did. So I don't know how helpful going through that school was. I guess it taught taught me the very basics: how to take a bump, how to lock up, how to snatch a headlock, how to grab an arm bar. But outside of that, I think because of the fact that it was probably geared more toward girls. And there wasn't really anyone with an experience there at the time that could that could help me out. Uh, I think it was limited in its influence on me. Now, as you you know start your career, you're not the Patriot at first. You're the Trooper. Can you just explain that character a little bit and, and how that character came about? Well, that was uh, Bernie Gagne's idea. Uh, Greg Greg Gagne's idea. They came to me, and uh, I think. Um, I just probably, as Vern put it, I just look like a cop, you know, that sort of that uh, that squared chin and, and a little bit of that chiseled look and that southern accent, uh, a little bit of a drawl. I think they just saw all that together would just make a good cop-like character. Uh, and, of course, at the time, too, there was sort of that bad cop character uh, with Ray Trailer and the big boss man and, uh, and had gotten over real well in the WWF. And uh, they thought that it would work well to have a baby-faced 
cop character. So they were the ones that came up with the idea uh, and presented it to me. And, and it was my first big break in the business. So it really, it really was very helpful. Yeah, it, it definitely, you know, got, got you on TV, got you in the AWA, you know, put you on the map. But obviously then you become the Patriot, which is, you know, a great gimmick, USA all the way. How did the gimmick come about and how did you become the Patriot? Well, again, I've got to give someone else credit for that. Uh, I'm probably not the most creative guy in the world, but uh, I was flying out to Dallas, Texas to work the very first show the Global Wrestling Federation was going to ever have, and it was going to be their very first TV taping. And uh, I took my gear out there to work as the trooper. Uh, there had been no discussion about doing anything else. And literally, just hours before we left the hotel to go to the sportatorium uh, to take the very first show for, for the GWF, uh, Joe Petticino and Bill Eady, who was um, acts uh, of demolition, uh, those guys approached me in the hotel room about the character, the Patriot. And they actually had the costume box there and they pulled out the tights, the trunks, the red, white, and blue gear. And uh, I was all in. And uh, the response we got that night uh, when that character walked down the aisle for the first time, I think solidified in all of us the fact that we were on to something good and something special. Now, I, I remember you and Global very, very well. And one feud that always stuck out to me as a kid, a guy that I never liked, was the Dark Patriot, uh, Doug Gilbert. Can you talk a little bit about your feud with Doug and working with Doug Gilbert? Well, I, I really enjoyed it. It was really my first feud with anyone as the Patriot. I had, you know, a series of matches through the tournaments that we had to, uh, to crown the North American champion and the TV champion and stuff like that. But this was really the first, uh, you know, any kind of angle or feud I'd worked with anyone. And, of course, Doug, come from, uh, you know, his pedigree was, was what it was with his brother, Eddie Gilbert, and, and, and Doug was, was good. So I enjoyed working with Doug. We had a lot of fun with it. Uh, it wasn't something that lasted very long, but really enjoyed doing it while it lasted. I think it added a lot to the show and to what we were trying to do at that time. And also... Um, a feud with a guy that a lot of people are very familiar with was uh, Al Perez. What was it like working with Al Perez? I enjoyed working with Al. Al was obviously, you know, a more seasoned um, wrestler at that time than I was. He'd been around longer. Uh, it was easy to work with in the ring, and uh, I basically just followed Al's lead. Al was smooth. Uh, he, he was good. He was solid. And um, so I enjoyed working with Al, and, and we had some some very good matches there, uh, some memorable matches on TV where I ended up get, winning the belt and having to give it back because Al's foot was on the ring, on the ring rope, the bottom rope, and uh, some things like that that, you know, at that time, uh, hadn't been done a lot. Of. A champion actually giving the belt back because his opponent, you know, had his foot on the bottom rope, and, and I saw it. So I'm going to give my belt back, and the only way I'm going to win it is the right way, the fair way. And uh, so... Uh, doing things like that, I think, added to, again, what we were trying to do with the Patriot character. Definitely loved uh, all the work in Global, and uh, I definitely enjoyed it, especially as a kid. I mean, sometimes I go back and watch now, but I especially enjoyed it as a kid watching it on ESPN, and obviously you stuck out the most. But as a, you know, as I become a smarter fan, I really, really enjoy the Japanese style of wrestling and, of course, the Patriot in all Japan wrestling became a little bit of a fixture. What was it like wrestling in Japan? And what were those crowds like then? Cause as we, we've talked to a couple of wrestlers and they always mention, you know, different crowd. Did you get that from, uh, from the Japanese? Oh, the, the best part of my career, the most enjoyable part of my career were, were the years I worked in Japan. Uh, and, and especially the time that I was at all Japan, uh, they were at their zenith. I mean, they were at their, their best. Uh, we we worked in the Tokyo area, just to give an example. I mean, I think we had close to 200 straight sellouts in the Tokyo area. And everywhere we went, all over that country, I mean, we sold out. We would get to the building literally two or three hours before the show, and there would be thousands of people waiting outside the venue, uh, you know, as our bus would pull up, and they would just surround the bus, and you'd literally have to, wade yourself through a sea, a sea of people to get into the building. And also, what made it that way, what made business so good, 
was Mr. Baba and his um, presence and idea of having clean finishes, good matches, solid matches. And not only that, you couple that, that style of work and those type of matches with the greatest lineup of talent I've ever been around, Mazawa, Kabashi, Kawala, Tawei, Akiyama. And then you go to the American side and you got Hanson, Gordy, Williams, Furness, Crawford, Wilkes. That's a pretty doggone good lineup. And no secret as to why, you know, we did the business we did. Oh, yes. I mean, all Japan at that point, obviously, I mean, probably by far the best wrestlers in the world were there and you were there with them and it's just awesome. And, and you just mentioned one name that sticks out tremendously because arguably the greatest wrestler of all time in ring um, was Kenta Kobashi. And, and you had a lot of matches against him. And you even teamed with uh, the Eagle, Jackie Fulton, and, and you fought uh, Kikuchi, and you fought Kenta Kobashi quite a lot. What was it like working with the legendary Kenta Kobashi? Um, of all the people I've worked with, and again, I've worked with some legendary guys, I enjoyed working with Kobashi. Never, ever had a bad match with Kobashi. There were some guys you could work with, and I don't care if you worked with them a hundred times, it just seemed like you couldn't have a good match with them. You just couldn't get a good flow going. But never had a bad match with Kabashi. He's the toughest human being I've ever worked with, I've ever been around. Was willing to sacrifice body, uh, you know, for a good match, and uh, just had a um, uh, a desire to just constantly get better. And uh, he's the greatest, greatest that I've ever worked with. I mean, and, and by far the toughest. But we, uh, I enjoyed working with him, and we had some good matches. Now. I don't know if this stat is accurate or not, but I, I consider myself, you know, kind of a big wrestling fan or quote unquote a big mark. So I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I, I can only figure out, maybe somebody can stump me on this one, but I, so far I've only found out two people that have ever done this. You and Masawa are the only two people that I've been able to find out that have a pinfall victory over Kawada and Bret Hart. It, 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 when you think about it, it's pretty crazy, but, awesome for you and it's just awesome for the Patriots to be able to say that it is I don't know you think that uh, that's true well I've never even thought of that I, I didn't realize that but I mean I know I got a one two three on Brett and I got a one two three on Kawada and uh I, I take it Mazawa you said has done the same thing yeah yep well, what about that I, that's a that's a nugget of wisdom that I, uh, uh, or trivia that I, I was completely unaware of. That's the first time that's ever been brought up to me. Good job. Yeah, Good job, man. <laughs> I've, been, I've been trying to study. I was trying to look to see if anybody else had, but it, I couldn't find, you know, the same people. But great company to be in, obviously, with Masawa, and then also being able to have a pinfall victory over Kawada, which is awesome. But what was it like working with those two guys? Obviously, you want to throw your name in the hat. Of, of the greatest of all time, those two have to be mentioned as well. Well, I was telling somebody earlier today that working with Brett was like working a Japanese-style match. It was snug. It was good. It was solid. Uh, there weren't any funny moments, any comedy moments. There was none of that. It was serious business, and you were out there to put on a good show, have the best match you possibly could. And, um, and so working with Brett reminded me a lot of working in all Japan. And working with Kawada was great. Now, um, that may be a good thing. It may be a bad thing. I don't know. We were talking about Kabashi earlier. Kabashi never took a night off, never. I don't care if we were in Podunk, Japan, and there were 3,000 people, and it was an outside show, and they were sitting in folding chairs. He gave it everything. Now, Kawada knew when to turn it on. Uh, you couldn't get him to do anything uh, at a spot show or a house show somewhere, but once the lights were on for TV, then he picked it up and delivered. So um, in those moments, in those situations, when we were working TV, I loved working with Kawada. And also uh, Misawa. Did you enjoy working with him? Because obviously he's just un unbelievable. If you just go through, even if you just look at Dave Meltzer's star ratings, I mean, five-star matches from him down the line. What was it like working with Misawa? Well, again, Probably, in my opinion, he and Kabashi would be, you know, one in 1A in, in ranking the two greatest workers I ever worked with. He was smooth. He was fluid. He was a tremendous athlete. And he, too, you know, 
had a tendency to take nights off if it was not TV, but I can assure you this, when the when the light the red light was on and it was TV, there was nobody, nobody that was better. Nobody. And uh, I was just standing in awe, and, and, and I had the, the good fortune of watching so many of those Japanese tag matches with uh, maybe Masawa and Kawada against um, Kabashi, or just whatever the combination was. But they, they had some phenomenal matches, and uh, and it was a privilege to be able to work with those guys. I uh, Like I said earlier, the greatest years of my career were spent uh, in Japan. Definitely, definitely. And I actually, I think we actually forgot to mention this in your uh, your awesome resume that you were an All Asia Tag Team Champ uh, as well. And I was with Jackie Fulton. Yep, yep. But uh, I guess he was the Eagle, right? I guess he wasn't Jackie Fulton, though. That's right. He, he worked as the Eagle. Okay. Well, I mean, also it's a tremendous accomplishment, especially at that point in All Japan when they were, as you said, they were hotter than hot. But also yep. another t- uh, tag team partner of yours that a lot of people here know in the United States, but they don't really think of him as a good wrestler, and they think of him more as a comedy act, and that would be uh, John Laurinaitis, a.k.a. Johnny Ace. What was he like at that point in Japan? Well, Johnny was a, Johnny was a solid worker. Uh, uh, he was a solid worker, but the main thing Johnny had going for him was his creativity. Johnny was very good at putting matches together, putting finishes together, putting a series of moves together, uh, Johnny had good psychology, and uh, uh, he was as good at that as anybody I've ever been around. And uh, so uh, I always look forward to working with Johnny or against Johnny. Uh, Johnny and I had a singles match in Budokan that was a good, 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 solid match. I really enjoyed it. And he um, had a good mind, just a good mind for the business. And uh, I know that, you know, the character that he's done recently in the WWE uh, you know, doesn't depict that, but Johnny had a, a very good mind for the business, and it doesn't surprise me that the end of their poor at in the WWE in the capacity that he's worked there uh, in. Yeah, you know, it's funny. He's pretty underrated because, you know, they made him kind of like a jokey heel character, and it kind of made him stupid, and they, they kind of just, you know, they do all, like, weird stuff with him, but if you look at it, great underrated wrestler in all Japan, and I was just watching... I guess maybe it was a few weeks ago. It was, I believe it was you and uh, Kenta Kobashi against Dr. Death and Johnny Ace. And uh, it was a great match. What was it like, um, like you mentioned before, how great Dr. Death was, but what was it like getting in the ring with him? Was he super stiff, like uh, like it seems to be perceived that way? No, he wasn't. Uh, he, he wasn't at all. Doc was, uh, uh, now, you know, the, the only criticism I would have of Doc is he would have some memory lapses. There would be times when you're, right dead in the middle of the finish, and Doc would just completely forget what was next. And uh, But thank goodness for a good referee or, or somebody else who could remember what was next. But, no, it was it was, it was was easy working with Doc. Doc wasn't stiff. I know Stan had that appearance of being stiff, but uh, I, I never experienced that with him. I mean, things were snug. And I think coming from my background as a football player, I think what some guys considered stiff as a former football player, I just considered it good working. I, I didn't mind it if a guy was stiff or, or snug with me. I, matter of fact, I'd rather it be that way. So I didn't consider Doc or Stan, um, you know, to be overly stiff in, in any capacity at all. It's funny. I think there's a great uh, Stan Hansen line that he said, you know, years ago in an interview, and they were saying to him that uh, he was stiff, and he just said he has really bad eyesight, and he <laughs> and he wasn't sure – um, he didn't want to short bed and, and short change it and, you know, miss the punch. Rather, he'd rather overdo it and, you know, potato the guy or, you know, give him a stiff clothesline rather than um, miss him. But I don't know if he's, if that was him slightly joking saying that he would bet eyesight or if, uh, or if he was serious. No, Stan, Stan did have bad eyesight. And Stan did have problems seeing things. And I think he just what, he went for whatever was moving. And having said that, I never felt like Stan was overly stiff Again, I think that came from the background where you put on a football helmet and you hit somebody running wide open, you know, as fast as you can. There's nothing that's going to happen to you in a wrestling ring that's going to really duplicate that. So I think what I considered stiff and what other people considered stiff was probably totally different. But having said that, I did witness Stan practically decapitating guys occasionally with that clothesline. I mean, I've witnessed him knocking guys out with it, uh, you know, breaking noses and stuff like that. But... uh, you know, mentioning Stan and mentioning Jackie Fulton, 
uh, and guys like that. These guys are also a part of this project that uh, we're doing with Michael Elliott and uh, the Patriot Wilkes, the man behind the mask. We've got Stan on there. We've got Jackie on there. We've got Bobby Fulton on there. Uh, we've got some other great wrestlers that I wrestled with uh, that are on there. Also, again, it covers my football career. Uh, we've got a, several of my former teammates and coaches that will be a part of this and that will be in this documentary, including my teammate in 1980, George Rogers, who won the Heisman Trophy. So uh, very privileged to have George a part of this project. There's not many guys walking around that can say, hey, look, I played with the Heisman Trophy winner, and he's going to be a part of the project that we're doing. So we've got some really, really super people that are a part of this project, and I think the fans will really, really enjoy uh, what they see. Yeah, definitely. And if you, you go to Kickstarter, you know, the man behind the mask, Michael Elliott's Del, Del, excuse me, Del Wilkes Patriot uh, documentary, um, you'll see some great stuff on there. And when you, you donate, you see some of the great stuff you're able to get. And um, I notice as you go a little bit down the line, it's great you get raw footage of, uh, you know, at a certain price point, you get some raw footage uh, of the documentary, which is just awesome, awesome to have. There's one one thing on there where you can actually get artwork by a tremendous artist. It's actually done in a, a charcoal paint. It's just unbelievable. Then, obviously, 8x10s, you got Patriot Mats, you get American Flags. Obviously, you get the documentary, and then there's some other Michael Elliott documentaries. So awesome, awesome stuff from Kickstarter and, and from Michael Elliott. But if I could, I just briefly wanted to jump into your time spent at WCW. What was it like overall, your overall experience there? Were you felt like you were maybe underappreciated or maybe a little underrated in WCW? Well, uh, I think in the, 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 over, the overview of everything, it may have not have been the best timing for me to be there. Uh, I went in initially to work as a singles wrestler, uh, and then the booking committee had the idea of putting me together with Bagwell and teaming up in Stars and Stripes, which I was fine with that because tag teams were still a big, important part of the business back then. The Nasty Boys were there. Uh, Orndorff and Roma was there. Harlem Heat was there. So we had some tremendous tag teams that were there and tremendous tag team matches and actions, and those tag team belts really meant something. But I think probably... What hurt me in the timing of everything is I happened to be there, uh, and shortly after I got there, they brought in Hogan from the WWF, they brought in Savage from the WWF, they brought in Beefcake from the WWF, and it focused the attention, and almost all of the attention, on those guys, and um, it seemed like everybody else really was just, you know, didn't matter as much. So I think the timing of it had a lot to do with that. Yeah, and the timing, uh, fortunately, is everything um, when it comes to uh, a company and the, the, when they invest in, in a superstar or a group of superstars in the case of WCW. And I definitely think it was, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was a great team, but I, I say when you jumped to the WWF a little bit later on uh, in 1997, I, I think that that was the, the best platform that you maybe were given to get out into the mainstream. Now, how did that come about with meeting with Vince and uh, kind of they brought you on with no fanfare, really. You just kind of came out as part of a, a segment. But uh, how was it meeting with Vince and finally getting to the WWF after you had put in such a great career in Japan and, and in the States? Well, that had been an ongoing thing, uh, communicating with Vince uh, and, and, and guys that worked with him over the years. I had actually met with him back in the early 90s about coming to work up there, and things just never worked out, and we had talked other times throughout the course of my career, but this seemed to be like the perfect timing for everything was working toward this happening. So I was excited about it. I was excited about coming back home, being able to work in my home country, uh, and not having to travel to Japan. Um, you know, I'd started suffering some injuries, and, and my body was failing me some, so I needed to get out of that grind of that those all Japan matches and get into some American style matches where you can preserve your body a little more. So yeah. um, I was looking forward to it. I was excited yeah. about the opportunity, and it did happen with a little fanfare. Uh, but again, as it had anywhere else, the character really took off and was popular with the people. I completely agree because I remember you know watching that the segment where the Patriot was brought out. And you can even hear, thinking back in Vince's commentary, he does kind of 
make a little nod to the fact that the Patriot is finally in the WWF at the time. And, uh, you know, you were thrust right into the hottest angle that the WWF had had in years, and that was Canada versus the United States, and that was the Team WWF and the American wrestlers versus the Canadians and the Hart Foundation. How was that? You mentioned working with Brett earlier. Uh, what was the atmosphere like for some of those matches, those uh, Canada versus America uh you know, showdowns. Oh, they were great. Well, I mean, just fabulous. Uh, I mean, you know, we worked all over the United States with each other, and, you know, obviously it's a pro-American crowd, and the chance of USA, USA, and the people stomping their feet and clapping their hands and waving flags. And then we were able to go up north to Canada, and, and we worked from the west coast of Canada all the way over uh, across Canada with Brett. And, of course, it was the exact opposite, working with Brett in Canada. I mean, I was the bad guy, and the people wanted to kill me. And there was one night in particular, uh, we were working in a city in Canada, where there were six different people that came into the ring after me. They hated me so bad because they loved Brett so much. He was such a Canadian hero to them. So uh, the same effect it had here in the United States it had in Canada. So wherever we went, it was really, really a hot angle. And, uh, and and really enjoyed working with him and working that angle with him. Yeah, it seemed like the WWF was in Canada almost every other week, even for TV, because uh, the angle was so hot. And in the midst of all that, you had a pinfall victory, as uh, my co-host mentioned earlier, uh, over Bret Hart, which was just a phenomenal, phenomenal ending to a Monday Night Raw. And I'm sure for you, you know, it must have meant so much uh, to be on, you know, primetime television like that, getting a win over... Uh, the number one heel in the company. But now the program itself was kind of uh, cut short with you and Brett, and uh, that might have had to do with Brett's injury and then somewhat revisited. Uh, but what are, your, uh, what are your remembrances of the uh, maybe missed opportunities of a larger-scale feud with Brett throughout that summer and into the fall? Well, one of the, one of the biggest things that, that brought it to an end was my health issues. Uh, I had just major, major serious injuries at that time. I had uh, totally blown out my right knee, which has since been replaced twice. Uh, And I literally couldn't work without the uh, help of a big, thick knee brace that I had to wear. And that brace would limit me and what I could do in the ring and my movement, my ability to get around and move like I once did. I had torn my tricep, literally ripped my literally had ripped my tricep tendon off the bone and the tricep just rolled up the back of my arm. And I just had some injuries that were just really, really, really um, creating big, big problems for me. And unfortunately, it brought an untimely end to my career and to that angle that, that, that we had going. And uh, I just was physically unable to continue to perform. Yeah, it's unfortunate because, like I said, that was a uh, an absolutely fantastic uh, you know, definitely um, fan-consuming angle because it was both sides of the uh, the border that were highly, highly involved. Now, what was the uh, the atmosphere of the locker room at that point? Because obviously we all know the story of what happened with Brett not soon after uh, with that uh, summer feud and uh, what ended up happening, the huge Montreal screwjob. We won't even really get into that. But what was the pulse of the locker room throughout that summer as uh, business was picking up? Well, it was obvious things were were heating up as far as the relationship with some of the guys, Brett and and and, and uh, Sean. And, you know, people were taking sides. There was Brett and Owen and Davey Boy and, and those guys and Jim Neidhart. And then on the other hand you had um you had uh uh Hunter and uh and Sean in, in that faction. So and, and Brett was very vocal to me about his displeasure with the way things were going. I mean, we did spend a good bit of time talking to each other and and just talking about things we wanted to do in matches down the road that we were going to have. So I had a lot of one-on-one time with Brett, and he didn't mind sharing with me his displeasure uh, with the way things were going in the company and and, and I guess the relationship between he and Sean. So it was obvious that it was there. I mean, it was very obvious. Yeah, it's such a polarizing time in the uh, the history of the business. And as you mentioned, you had to unfortunately retire uh, in 1997. And, and how, how was it actually having to step away from the business at that point? Was it kind of welcome from the maybe hustle and bustle side of it and healing up? Or 
uh, was a little bittersweet having to step away. Well, it was bittersweet because I'd worked so hard for that. That was a dream of mine. That's what I had put all my effort and my time and my energy into. So that was bittersweet. But from the injury end of it, I, I needed to get away. I just physically, I was sick and tired of hurting, of not being able to do the things that I once could do in the ring, of being limited physically because of these injuries. And at that point in time, and I get into greater detail about it uh, in my documentary, um, Dell the Patriot Welks, the man behind the mask. I go into greater detail with it, but at that time, to continue to perform with these severe, severe injuries, uh, I had become addicted to pain medication. So that too was also, you know, I, I was just like a dog chasing my tail there. And uh, so, in that sense, it was almost relief that my career was over, that I didn't have to continue to try to work and perform and provide for my family, uh, but yet couldn't you know, measure up to the standards that I had set for myself because of the limitations these injuries had placed on me. And uh, so it was a double-edged sword. I, I hated to see it in, but on the other hand, it was almost like it was relief that it was over. And how do you feel today uh, with all those uh, nagging injuries behind you? Well, uh, I struggle physically. I do. I, uh, I uh, Last year, late last year, I had my right wrist fused. That was my 15th orthopedic surgery, so I, I do struggle a good bit getting around day to day. Uh, some days are better than others, but, um, you know, but having said that, uh, I wouldn't change my career uh, because of any lingering effects from injuries. There's no way. Uh, I had too much fun. I was able to, to live out a dream. Uh, the dreams, and I mean, the memories that I created, the people I got to meet, got to know, got to work with, uh, would I hobble around today at almost 54 years of age? Uh, absolutely, yeah, sure would. And before I uh, before I hand it over to my tag team partner to start the wind down portion of the interview, just a, a quick question, and I don't know if it's anything that you've really talked about because I'm I just I've been always curious about it, and that's the uh, the Patriot gimmick on the independent scene and uh, the performance of Tom Brandy uh, as the Patriot. Is there any – what's the story? I don't even know where to go with that. What's the story behind that? Are you – is that something that you've fought with him over, or is that something you're willingly, uh, you know, watching the Patriot do his thing, I guess? Watching the Patriots a little weird to say. Well, uh, for a long time, there was this not rumor or lie that I had sold the gimmick to Brandy. I in no way, shape, or form did that. Uh, I think he took it upon himself to use that character – and, um, I mean, just here recently, um, matter of fact, uh, a week or so ago, I put something on my Facebook page, Dell the Patriot Wilts, about this. I had gotten several Facebook messages from um, a number of fans who were expressing how nice it was to meet me at the most recent wrestling event they had attended and enjoyed watching me work. Well, I hadn't been in a ring in, in 13, 14 years. I worked one time since 2000. So if you see somebody in a ring working, that right there is evidence enough that it's not Bell Wills because I don't do that. I can't do that. I'm unable to do that. And uh, But Tom's not the only one. Uh, he's probably the most known one, but there are several other guys out there running around pretending to be the Patriot. And I guess when you can put a mask on your face and hide your identity, you can do about anything. But the thing that really, really chaps me about it is a lot of these fans that I've communicated with over the last several weeks said that they were suspicious about the person they saw wrestling as the Patriot. So they asked outright, hey, are you Dell Wilkes? And the response they get back or the answer they get back is, yeah, I'm Dell. They sell my pictures. Uh, I mean, Tom did a shoot interview, and, and the cover of it was a picture of me, not of him. And uh, wow. so that, that that's just, you know, that, that's bad. It really is. I mean, uh, you know, I really there's not a lot I can do if you want to pretend to be me, to dress up like me, but just to outright lie and tell somebody, yeah, I'm Joe Wilkes, and to sell pictures that were pictures of me, not pictures of you, I mean, that's just taking it even to another level of just um, really pathetic. Well, I think what's deceiving about it too, with uh, with Tom Brandy performing as a Patriot uh, on independent shows, is you know there is a similar look 
you know, with your with the build that you have, and if you throw a mask on, and you're you know you're a young impressionable kid who doesn't know the difference between Del Wilkes and Tom Brandy, you can say, yeah, I'm Del Wilkes, yeah, I'm the Patriot, yeah, that was me. And, yep, somebody's going to walk away, and maybe if they're not going to do their due diligence to really look into it, they're not going to know. But I think one thing that it does, and I'll be quite frank to say it, it bastardizes the fact that the Patriot was such a unique uh, – I wouldn't even want to say a gimmick. It was a, it was a, a, a person, a character that – you know, meant something, and, you know, the fact that it's being presented as almost like a Doink the Clown special attraction that different independent promotions can bring their own Patriot, I think it bastardizes uh, what the Patriot meant, because I think that, that this documentary is going to get your side of what the Patriot meant to your career as a person and as a performer, and again, it's the Kickstarter documentary, uh, Del Wilkes and Michael Elliott, and and I'll turn over to my tag team partner here to wind down, but uh, just wanted to get that comment out. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much, and I agree. Now, obviously, you've had a great career, longtime fan, and looking at it, you just think there's a few guys that are considered like the greatest of all time as far as like in ring: Bret Hart, Misawa, Kawada, Kobashi. You've wrestled some of the greatest wrestlers ever. You've had such a great career, and you've had great matches with those guys. But what would you say would be maybe your favorite match or maybe favorite matches? Well, some of my favorite matches, obviously, were with Kabashi and with Masawa and Kawada. Uh, now, and I'm going to answer that uh, again here in a second, but I want to throw a couple of other names in that, in my opinion, were good workers in their own right. It may have been a different style. Terry Gordy was a phenomenal worker. Terry Gordy was one of the best big men I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Terry was phenomenal to watch. And Stan. Stan Stan was good in his own way. It was different. Uh, I mean, it was a kick, punch, stomp, you know, ballroom, ball type. But uh, that was good as well. But from a tag team standpoint, in singles matches, I loved working with Kabashi probably more than anybody. But some of the greatest tag team matches I've ever been a part of were with me and Jackie Fulton and, and, and Danny Crawford and Doug Furness. Those guys were phenomenal when they were at their best in Japan. And uh, with Danny Crawford's, uh, his brilliance when it comes to the wrestling business and being able to set up matches and spots and Doug's athleticism and his power and strength, uh, man, I love working with those guys. And, and those are probably some of my most memorable matches are working with the Can-Am Express and me and Jackie. Yeah, yeah, the Can-Am Express, awesome team. Yeah, you've obviously you know, you had a great career. We mentioned um, Kobashi a lot and Masala and stuff, but who would you say would be your favorite opponent? Would it be Kobashi or? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in a singles competition, Kobashi. In a tag team setting, it was uh, Crawford and Furnace. But in a singles, uh, yeah, hands down, Kobashi. Now, one thing I know uh, my my uh, partner kind of uh, kind of covered this a little bit, but you know, as far as the, the the Tom Brandy stuff, do you think that that you know imitation is the the finest form of flattery, or do you think that maybe um, you know like th- these guys take it too far and they're you know they're they're trying to build something off your legacy? Yeah, I agree with the latter that that uh, uh, they're taking it too far and. Um, I don't mean this in any other way than just brutal honesty. Uh, I mean, if Tom Brandy had been such a wonderful character in wrestling, uh, something that got over with the fans uh, everywhere he went, then why wouldn't he be working as Tom Brandy? Uh, I mean, you've got to pretend to be a character that someone else literally created and built and worked hard to build that character and to have a relationship with those fans and, uh, you know, to have those fans feel that way about you and you're just, you know, you're taking advantage of all everything I did. I mean, if you're so good, you're so special, and you're so talented at what you're doing, take your mask off and work as Tom Brandy. Hmm. Yeah. True. It's, yeah, that's very true, 100%. And, Dale, this has been such a great talk, and we really, we really, really implore people to please go to kickstarter.com. Search The Man Behind the Mask, the Patriot documentary brought to you. It's Michael Elliott's documentary. 
it's been such an informative walk down memory lane, and we are definitely supporting this documentary and it getting made and your story coming out. But is there any place else you would like to send the fans of Del Wilkes, the fans of the two-man power trip of wrestling, where would you like them to go find Del Wilkes on the Internet? Well, the number one place we want them to go to is go to kickstarter.com and, uh, and just plug in Del Wilkes. But they can also go, uh, I've got a couple of Facebook pages myself, Del the Patriot Wilkes and then Del Wilkes. And uh, they can go to those as well. But uh, the main site now is kickstarter.com. We appreciate those that have contributed so far, and we look forward to all the others that we know will. And uh, we should have this project out to the fans, um, you know, in the not-too-distant future. And I think they're going to love it. It's really done well. Well, thank you so much. And I'm going to...